0: funky beats you. Five of you think that's funny. Six. I think it's funny. <clears throat> hey, we're super glad you're here this morning. Uh, it's cold. It's rainy, sleet-ish out. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, if you're new with us today or you're guest with us, we're super glad you're here uh, with us this morning. If you have any questions about anything, find someone with a Connections name tag. Uh, if you have any questions about things uh, after the service. We are in week three today of a series called The Good Life. So I want you to turn to Matthew 7 uh, to have that handy. Matthew 7, we're going to be in verses 13 through 27. Uh, so you're going to want to have that handy. We've got Guest Connections. Uh, sorry. We services peeps guys here with uh, Bibles. If you need one, uh, just put up your hand real quick and they'll uh, hand you a Bible. If you need a study guide for this series, they also have those available. I've got a few folks here and there who uh, need them. So if you need a Bible and you don't have one um, or you want a good extra one because it's the same version out of which I preach, just put your name in it, take it, it's yours. Uh, we have money to replace Bibles. Um, so we've been covering the last two-thirds of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6 and 7, and so we finish that, that up today in Matthew 7. Uh, we've been talking about how the good life is about pleasing God uh, with our resources. Uh, pleasing God with our resources for the sake of the kingdom advance and moving forward. We just saw a cool video about Operation Christmas Child, uh, which is a way that we've uh, been a, a partaking in the gospel moving forward in the world uh, for about the last eight, nine years. Um, We had a little over 400 boxes last year. We're going to have hundreds of boxes that um, next week on a packing party, um, we're going to be putting together. And uh, right after the service, uh, we're going to buy pizza or something. Food. Food will be there. Um, So we're going to have some time together to pack those boxes. So uh, let us know you're coming. We'd love to have you. We're going to do that, I believe, downstairs in the Student Center. Is that right? In theory, over there. And then when 75 to 100 of you sign up, We'll move down there. Okay, so I want to just let you know real quick, before we get into our passage today, um, which is a pretty clear passage. We like to spend a lot of time kind of figuring out what the passage says and where it comes from and giving some history. Today is pretty straightforward. Uh, it's Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount saying, like, you're real or you're fake, and this is how you know, okay? So we're going to talk about that today. Um, So there's not to be a whole lot of uh, super interesting sort of Bible insights. Um, We are going to unpack it quite a bit, um, but we have a lot to get to. So I want to make sure we do that in a bit here. But I want to let you know where we're headed with some sermon series. Um, The next series that starts next week is four weeks in the Old Testament book of Zechariah. Uh, We've been in the New Testament for quite a while this uh, this fall. So we're going to be doing four weeks in Zechariah. Uh, feel free to read all 14 chapters of that to get ready. Um, we've been this, this sort of fall, we've been pushing hard on like, hey, believers, go get out of here with the gospel. I mean, we've been sort of, that's the trajectory. We've been going hard at it. And uh, this week won't feel much different than that. Uh, but next week, uh, we're going to kind of say, hey, listen, this is a God who loves you and wants to shepherd you and bring you back. So, so it's called Return to Me. Um, the first chapter of Zechariah, verse three, he says, if you return to me, I will return to you. Um, so we're going to talk about God uh, bringing us into uh, his fold in Zechariah next week. So four weeks there. And then we're going to do a four week Advent series leading up to Christmas called uh, What Were You Expecting? Um, babies is what they were expecting. We're going to talk about some cool stuff from the Old Testament leading up to Jesus. And then we're going to kick off next year with a series called Semper Reformanda. Uh, Semper Reformanda is uh, a Latin phrase that means always reforming. And uh, so we want to be people who are always reforming, a church that is always reforming. So we're going to be talking about uh, five weeks of sort of bedrock doctrinal beliefs uh, that make us uh, Protestants. It's spelled Protestant. Um, If you don't know what that is. Don't worry, we'll color in some of that for you and talk about uh, that in uh, January of 2018. And then for the rest of 2018, we've got a lot of cool plans for Matthew, for Amos, for Philippians, Uh, four weeks on the Holy Spirit, we're going to do four weeks on Romans 8, we're going to do a series about apologetics and some cool stuff about the relationship between uh, faith and science and questions like that. So we've got a cool year planned out, so... Come and uh, be with us for uh, 2018. It's going to be a great year for us here at First Christian. All right, lots to cover. We don't have time to read the whole passage, but have it handy because we're going to jump in at verse 13 soon. So let's go ahead and uh, pray and quiet our hearts to listen to the Lord. Indeed, Lord, we take this time uh, to quiet ourselves before you. Asking that You would speak to us through Your Word. That You would uh, shape hearts and minds today. We give You glory and praise for who You are and what You've done for us in Jesus Christ. And we want to continue to see our lives uh, as a part of Your kingdom work and the advance of Your goodness and glory in the world, uh, so we ask that you would continue to give us um, a personal vision that, that is a piece of your larger vision, of you communicating yourself, of you revealing yourself in power to the world, uh, because Lord, we acknowledge today uh, that you alone are worthy of our worship, and so we want to see all of our lives' resources uh, in light of that. So teach us toward that end, uh, we pray. Amen. So before we jump into Matthew 7, I want you to think for just a minute uh, with me. I want you to think with me for just a minute of, of something in your life, um, a situation in your life where you are, uh, in a sense, holding back. You're holding back and you're saying no. <laughs> but you know you're supposed to give in and say yes. A situation in your life where you're holding back and you're saying no, you're sort of withholding in some form or fashion, uh, but you know that you are supposed to, to give in and, and say yes, to act upon that situation. Could be money, could be time, uh, could be help you know you're supposed to give someone, uh, It could be forgiveness you're withholding, uh, it could be a tough conversation you know you're supposed to have with someone, it could be anything, whatever it is, think of a situation, In your life where you are holding back and you are saying no, in a sense, to God's leading when you know you're supposed to say yes. For me right now, there are (laughs) lots of things where I think I could put that in that category. But there are two things, especially for me right now, uh, that I know that I need to do differently in my leadership of this church, for example. uh, That's going to make a a big difference, honestly. (laughs) A big difference Uh, In my leadership of this church and where we're headed as a church. Uh, But to be honest, I I don't want to. (laughs) I just like I don't want to uh, to let go of those things uh, because they're hard. They're hard. Uh, Me releasing that control um, is a surrender for me uh, that I don't want to have to go through. I know you may be sitting there going, "Uh, you're the pastor. If it's that clear, you better say yes, God. We will. I'll get there. Don't worry. Just waiting on the right timing. So these situations for me both involve, uh, and this is why it's hard for me. uh, They both involve saying no to a few people who won't like hearing no so that we as a church can say yes to what we say is our larger mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. <laughs> so I get it. I'm right there with you. There are situations in all our lives that are that are hard for us uh, to release control of. Because we know it's God asking us to surrender to His will for us. So here I am writing this sermon uh, this week. a <laughs> sermon about surrender and, and the idea of of surrendering to what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, Jesus' definition of the good life, okay? Uh, To surrender to Jesus' definition of the good life in Matthew 7 here. And I come up against these these two things, these two situations in my life. And here's what became clear to me as I was processing those circumstances in my own life. And I think this is helpful for you if you will let it be. These situations where we are holding back, uh, where we know we should not, those kinds of situations for us are opportunities for surrender and growth. They are opportunities for surrender and growth. To surrender to a kingdom that is about me and seeking my safety and my definition of the good life and reward or the kingdom of God that seeks a larger reward, and a larger mission, and a larger goal. (laughs) The difference between holding back as a form of saying no to God's will and letting go as a form of saying yes to God's will is essentially a question for us of surrender. Am I all in for God's kingdom, or am I all in for mine? And I know even as I ask that question, this is a question that have, that has degrees of answers. <laughs> I get it. It's not always yes or no. But this is a question for us that Jesus poses here as an either or. He poses it as an either or as a helpful diagnostic for us. He poses this question for us as an either or as a diagnostic for us, for our life's trajectory, so that we can ask ourselves this question. This is Jesus concluding the Sermon on the Mount. Where am I really going, and am I going that direction meaningfully? So, so friends, use these verses. Use these verses today as a personal diagnostic to see where you really are. Are you the real deal or are you not? Are you headed on a trajectory that's about the kingdom of God, or are you about kingdom of self? Is the way that you're calling your surrender for the kingdom of God, is that meaningful in a way that fits with the word surrender? <laughs> or is it not? Jump in at verse 13, where Jesus concludes the Sermon of the Mount here. And I would just want you to ask these questions about, am I surrendered or not? Am I the real deal or am I not? Because these are the questions Jesus is asking here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he does, though, three examples we're going to look at here real quickly. Three examples. uh talks about the air, entering the, the gate, a wide or narrow gate that's part of an easy or hard road. And he's going to talk about gates. He's going to talk about uh, the fruit of a tree. And he's going to talk about uh, building a home. So jump in where we talk about gates here, starting in verse 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate. He starts there with a summarizing command. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that it leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. So he says this, enter into the next life. By the narrow gate, he says there in verse 13. And he makes these distinctions between these two gates in 13 and 14. He talks about the narrow gate there which leads to life and the wide gate that leads to destruction. He makes a very clear distinction between these two gates uh, this is what I mean by the either or here as a picture of the difference between a life of holding back that leads to destruction, he says, or a life of surrender that leads to life. And he sounds throughout many times in this passage, he sounds warnings for us warnings. This is what he's doing here. He's drawing a line in the sand between the fakes and the real deal so that we are sufficiently warned and so that we take note of our condition, are we surrendered or are we not? Are we surrendered or are we not? Keep moving. Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it, the wide gate, there are many, lots of people entering the afterlife through the wide gate from the easy road. And he says, in contrast, verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now, lots of people are going through the wide gate, obviously. Lots of people going through the wide gate, uh, what Jesus calls the easy way here. I mean, just just look at it over there. It's it's popular. (laughs) Look at that wide gate because people are over there laughing, carrying on and partying like it's 1999. This is the good life. Thank you. This is the good life. This is the high life. They're over there, you know, Partying and and talking about the good life. The pretty people, the people with money and nice cars, luxurious houses. Their kids are successful. They've got enough money set back for retirement. Uh, They probably have their lawns mowed for them. Their pillows are fluffed. They don't lift a finger and magic fairies come and clean their entire house and put chocolates on their pillows and rose petals leading to the bed. That's what it feels. I know that sounds silly, but that's... Kind of how it feels, right? When you, when you look over there and you go, man, those people are having a good time. <laughs> That's amazing over there. But Jesus is warning us here. He's saying, do not believe the hype. Don't believe the hype of those who are constantly posting on InstaFace as if all they do is they spend their days chilling on the beach with their legs hanging out, looking at paradise, having drinks with tiny umbrellas delivered to them all day. He says, don't believe that hype because that road, that way is easy. It's airbrushed fakery. That's what Jesus is saying. It's it's just vacation. It's just vacation. It's not reality. It's a pretend, photoshopped version of reality that if you're not careful, Jesus says, (laughs) leads to death. Because you'll find yourself surrendered to a personal vision of safety and security in the here and in the now. (laughs) By the way, parenthetically, this country is filled with a whole bunch of self-proclaimed Christians Who are on permanent vacation. Are we preaching yet? So Jesus says, watch it. I'm not just talking about those people who we know are not believers. I'm talking about this as a diagnostic tool for what road are you on? He says. So watch it. Enter by the narrow gate. Don't believe the hype of the securities of this world, because they will lie to you about what your life is really about. Enter by the narrow gate. He says, surrender to My hard, narrow gate. Surrender to My way, He says, and you will know life. And Jesus says this to conclude the Sermon on the Mount because He says, these are the stakes of the matter for where you put your heart today. These are the stakes in the matter for where you put your heart today. So choose to surrender. He says, enter by the narrow gate. The warnings continue, verse 15. He says, beware, watch out for. Beware of false Prophets, false teachers who speak for God in theory, uh, false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. They're, they're predators who can't get enough. He says, "Warn," he, he says, watch out for false teachers who seem harmless, but are actually predators. This is a good thing to keep in mind, of course. <laughs> uh, but, but, but one of my main questions as I read this is, Jesus, what does this have to do uh, with entering by the narrow gate or surrender? Right. Like why warn of false prophets if we already know there's a a, a wide road and, and a narrow and hard road? Here's why Jesus says this, because there's a connection between who we follow in this life and where we end up in the next. There's a connection between who we follow in this life, who we listen to and where we end up in the next. And if you're not careful about who you listen to and listen. We are always sitting under the authority of someone or something. Don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. All of us always are sitting under the authority of someone or something, acknowledged or not. He says, if you're not careful about who you listen to, you may end up going after the pursuits of this world, going down the wide road without even realizing it whether we're talking about preachers or authors or musicians or TV shows or entertainment, whatever the case may be, if you're not careful who you listen to, where you spend your time, uh, that to which you pay attention, you may, without realizing it, buy into a temporary vision of the good life that may look and feel satisfying for a time, but that will actually lead to death, he says. So be aware. Be aware. Be aware. They're predators who will lead you to surrender, in effect, little by little to a life that ends in death. And they will disguise it as keeping you safe. And they will not be pleading for you to enter by what Jesus describes here as the narrow road. So how do you know who was who? How do you know who to listen to and who not to? Keep reading. Verse 16. You'll recognize them by their fruits, by what their lives and their teachings produce. You don't have to know everything. You can't know everything. You will recognize them, he says, by their fruits. What does their teaching produce? For example, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes bushes, or or figs from thistles? The answer, of course, is no. Oranges don't come from apple trees. So, verse 17, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears fruit. Bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Trees don't bear fruit contrary to their nature. So either the voices to whom you listen produce kingdom fruit, or they do not. Either they take you toward selfless fruit-bearing for the kingdom, or they manipulate them For their own purposes. And if they don't produce. Verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit. Is cut down and thrown into the fire. Dead trees that don't bear kingdom fruit. Are thrown into the fire of hell. And this is the principle. Verse 20. He says thus. Meaning in this way. In this way you will recognize them. By their fruits. Said most simply friends. The fruit is the test of the tree. The fruit is the test of the tree. So make sure you are surrendering to sources of authority who bear kingdom fruit. Surrender only to sources of authority that are bearing kingdom fruit. Here's another warning. Keep reading. Verses 21-3 through there. Uh, Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of My Father who is in heaven. Now, because our, our fruit reveals who we really are, what's shown on the outside comes from the inside, because our fruit reveals who we really are, you will recognize them by their fruits, then it follows that simply calling Jesus Lord <laughs> is not enough. He says this, verse 22, On that day, meaning future judgment, On that day, many will say to Me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and cast out demons in Your name and do many mighty works in Your name? And then, this is Jesus speaking, and then I will declare to them, I never knew You. Depart from Me, You workers of lawlessness. I mean, Lord, did I not serve in kids' men? Did I not hand out bulletins? Sing in the choir? Wear the T-shirt? Share the Facebook post. Jesus says, you were not doing these things for me if they were not a piece of you going down this narrow road that leads to life. You can do all those things and still enter the wide road, still enter the wide gate. Your efforts, if they are ultimately about carefully controlling and parceling for self, your little kingdom here on earth, you run the risk, he says, of doing something for self that looks like it's for me, Jesus says. If your ultimate efforts are about your not surrendering and ensuring that you are in control of parceling your little world of earthly safety, You see, Jesus says, following me, (laughs) it's about surrender. It's about total surrender. It's about giving up. It's not, the Christian life is not one, the Christian life is not one where we retain enough sort of self-control for our resources to self-medicate our way into a pretend safety. And when we do that, we have this sort of temporary readiness For this life, that is an illusion of readiness for the next. Many Christians buy into this personal vision of safety for this life. And they pour their resources into it. That feels like safety for the next. But Jesus says, that's an illusion. You can do all that. Still call me Lord, Lord. And I will say, I never knew you. See, truth be told, friends, is that there are a lot of us who functionally are preparing in our use of our resources. We're preparing for this life. Holding on and hoarding as if this is where my safety has to happen. Which means there's something about surrender to the gospel as your only hope that you're not getting. Third picture of surrender involves readiness uh, for testing and for trial, not just in this life, but also readiness for the next life. Um, We also know this from verse 22 where it says, on that day. And then listen to how he says it here. It's not just for this life, it's also for the next. This is what he says in verse 24. Listen to this. Everyone then who hears, imagine Jesus speaking to you this and here and now. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them in the present will be in the future like a wise man who built his house in the past on the rock. There's a connection between our use of resources now and what we're doing with them now and the road we're on and where we put our security and where we'll end up then. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who had built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came. This is verse 25. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Listen, please hear this. The house stood because the builder had been surrendered to God's purposes in the building of the house. Let me say that again. The house stood, ultimately, in the next day, The house stood because the builder had been surrendered to God's purposes in the building of the house. He says, Everyone who hears these words of mine that does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. (laughs) The fool who builds for today will not be prepared for tomorrow, Jesus says. There's no equivocating. There's no like, figure out the degree to which you are one or the other. Jesus is using this as an either-or diagnostic tool so that we can ask the question, what is the trajectory? What direction? And am I meaningfully involved and engaged in knowing that direction? Because listen, friends, (laughs) So many of us, and I am as guilty as so many others, so many of us are building for this life most ultimately. We are so busy building for this life. We're calling this series The Good Life because we all need to learn doesn't matter if you're an unbeliever, you think this Jesus thing is crazy lunacy, or you're a new believer, you've been a believer as long as you can remember. We all need to learn that our, that our personal satisfaction, the good life is found in using our resources to proclaim God's goodness and glory. Do we really believe that? <laughs> in fact, Jesus earlier on in the Sermon on the Mount says, The issues are kind of easy. Let me put it this way. He says this in Matthew 6.33. He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added. All these things will be added to you. Seek first my kingdom and pleasing God, Jesus says. And all this stuff that we like to hoard and and worry about and chase after uh, because of our fears and our distrust and our personal trauma. All these ways we self-medicate instead of trusting me, Jesus says. All of the stuff that we use to enable a false sense of control this side of heaven. He says, listen, seek me first. I'll take care of all that. You don't even have to worry about it. Why are you worrying about it? Your biggest problem is taken care of. Because I'm Jesus. And I'm fully surrendered to you knowing God in eternity. Forever. I mean, just Jesus preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Just think about the birds and the flowers, Jesus says. They just, they just sit there and God takes care of them. The birds and the flowers. They're fully bought in. They're, they're all in to let God be in charge of them, fully surrendered to God's care. And guess what? They don't have a care in the world. They're beautiful and they glorify God because they're doing exactly what He wants them to do. The lilies are happier than we are. Jesus says, you could be there too, glorifying God with your life and your resources. If you will surrender them to God's good purposes. Just like those birds and those flowers. Listen, we all need to learn this. Whether we're a baby Christian or a mature Christian, we all need to keep learning this lesson because we are taught the opposite of this from birth. We absorb this sort of lesson that the good life is, is found in keeping for ourselves and building for ourselves, in piling up securities, in, in hoarding experiences. We have been taught from the world and from our personal internal fears that we have to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. And friends, if we are honest with ourselves, the dashboard of our lives that shows how we use the goods and the resources that God's given to us, the dashboard of most of our lives reads like this. I do not trust that God knows how to take care of me so I will make darn well sure that I do. Here's how I know this. Here's how I know this. We buy into this system of earthly hoarding in ways that has tentacles into our personal lives and our bank accounts and our recreational vehicles and our cute kids' clothing, our makeup, our trucks our relationships. And so we avoid hard things. We push away sacrifice. We distrust letting go, which means that we miss out on a deeper understanding of Jesus and full identification with who He is and what He's done. And we also miss out on God's kingdom advance. We are materially rich and yet... Extremely unfulfilled in terms of our personal mission for God's goodness and glory being made known. We got everything we need. Some of us have more than we could ever want. And yet, we are not in touch with God's kingdom advance, which means we live this life here and now unfulfilled constantly not living what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount is the good life because we've bought into this personal vision of hoarding for ourselves that values us over God's mission and the advance of His kingdom to free captives you see friends learning to live this good life isn't just about using your resources to please God it's about whether or not you understand the heart of God to die for those who don't deserve it people who give love grace they love it and they can't wait to give away what is not earned and was given to them i'm not being mean or difficult or pushy or dogmatic i'm just telling you what being a christian really means and trying to teach you about what christ really did look at this from second corinthians 5:21 it says, for our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become, hold it up there, that we might become the righteousness of God. Meaning, for our sake, Christ became sin for us. God blessed us with the riches of heaven and Jesus when we didn't deserve it. Next verse, 6-1. says, working together with Him then, with Christ, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Don't receive this gift of God's blessing in vain by buying into the world's definition of the good life and satisfaction that doesn't satisfy. Jesus warns us here, surrendering to a vision that is a Christ-centered satisfaction in using all of our lives for His goodness and glory is the only place where joy is found. Listen, you can do this. You can do this because you know exactly what surrender looks like. Surrender looks like God in the flesh extending His arms on the cross take on your sin and to take away your shame. Jesus was all in for your sake. Which means you can be for his. Let's pray, friends. Father in heaven, we are forever grateful that you held back nothing. That you were fully surrendered for our good. When the reality of the circumstances was that our sin meant we didn't deserve Jesus. But you died. And You gave Yourself for us. But fully surrendered to give us what we couldn't earn. So Father, instruct us and teach us and change us and transform us from that amazing truth that You who knew no sin became sin for us. Surrendered Yourself and went all in for us. So Father, make of us men and women and marriages and families grandparents aunts and uncles make of us a a church family uh, that mirrors that awesome truth so that a world that is lost in sin without answers can see the witness of our lives and your kingdom would be advanced give us the strength and courage to say yes where we know that we've been holding back. We ask this in the name of Your Son, Jesus. Amen.